folks, this is Mark Anthony Williams with So You Want to Be a Safety Professional. I've got a special guest for you guys today. I've got Mr. Greg Colding. He is the, Greg, what's your official title? Official title is Technical Learning Partner, uh, but for all intents and purposes, we'll call it a training manager. Okay, training manager. Now, Greg, it has a special background, and the reason is that Greg used to be a safety professional until he found his passion for training. And so with that, this episode is gonna be a deep dive into the pivotal role of training in environmental health and safety. We're gonna discuss how effective training strategies can help prevent accidents, maintain a healthy work environment, enhance productivity, and even contribute to the company's bottom line. Okay, Greg, are you ready? I got some questions for you, man. Yep, let's do it. Okay, cool. So Greg, tell me, how has the delivery of EHS training evolved over the years? Where do you see it heading to in the future? You used to be a safety guy, now you're a training guy. That's your specialty, that's your bread and butter. Can you tell us how is important is training to safety management? So, well, I mean, training is paramount because if you don't know how to be safe or why to be safe, then you just won't be safe. I mean, unless you're just one of those general, generally safe people, uh, germaphobe, you know, what have you. You know, most people aren't that, so most people will, most people will take a shortcut um you know and that's mm -hmm. just the nature of it so as far as training delivery goes um you know some of my experience again is with the rail industry and in the rail industry a lot of what we did was remote so we were out you know on a on a rail somewhere in the middle of nowhere trying to repair a car that broke down osha is not out there nobody's out there it's just you and your partner and that rail car so a lot okay. of a lot of things kind of kind of slide um, uh -huh. now you can, you can train to the best of your ability, but when you're out there in a remote area and you would need to get up on top of a car to do something and it's a round tank car and there's nowhere to hook off to, what are you going to do? Um, sure. car's got to get moving, right? So it's that mentality okay. that we have to finish the job no matter what mentality. I think that that is a, I don't know, probably the bane of safety cultures all over the place. Um, the That's only way to point. get through that. Yeah, the only way to get through that, I think, is to train to a high enough standard so that you feel like a fool if you're not safe. Like when you walk Ooh. in and everybody around you is safe and you go to do something unsafe and the guy stops you, he's like, hey, 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 oh, what are you doing? What are you doing? Like, we don't do that over here. Yeah, we, like, don't do that here. we don't do that here. We don't do that here. Exactly. Like yeah, that. we don't we don't do that here. Um, but what it is now is people specifically, and uh, I'm going to call some people out, maintenance departments all over Ooh. the place. Yeah. Ooh. They get away with a lot more, right? Um, sure. And uh, Not all maintenance I, departments. We're not trying to call no names, right? What you're saying. No. Who is more no. likely to be offended. It, correct. Yes. Um, that is, that, I mean, that's, historically, that's what I've come across. I've worked in a maintenance department, and I know what I got away with, and I know what I didn't. So... Um, you know, it's, Ooh, it's, that, and it's that small knit. Do what? So you was a bad boy. Yes. Well, yeah, of course. But that, I think, <laughs> I think doing things wrong kind of like in your mm -hmm. early in your career helps you understand how to do things right. Um, but oh. not only that, it helps you understand your audience a little bit more mm -hmm. so that you can train specifically to an audience who is prone to wanting to do the wrong thing. Cause I used to be that person. So I get that. That's a good point. You've been in their shoes, right? It's almost like you've been rehabilitated, yep. so now you're on the other side of the fence. Exactly. Exactly. So back to the original. Yeah, that's absolutely fair to say. Yeah. So uh, back to the how has question. the delivery of 
safety training evolved over the years from your perspective? So, uh, I mean, I, I've been in this as, as early as like the late 90s um, where there was no safety training, working like uh, construction mm -hmm. jobs as a rod buster or concrete reinforcement. Um, What's a rod buster? Up until now, do what? What's a rod buster? Hold on. What's a rod buster? So, you know, rebar? Yeah. Are you, yeah. So rebar, before you pour the concrete, I used to tote rebar and tie rebar in, in forms mm. before they pour the concrete when I was uh, okay. late teens. Where there was zero safety Ever. training Ever. whatsoever, right. right? So where I am now, which is you know safety training is the first thing we talk about in new hire orientation at my company. It's you know it's at the forefront. It's all over. It's plastered. It's on the TV screens. It's it's in people's mouths. It's I mean, you know things have changed. Safety culture has changed in the last twenty some odd years, um, and mm -hmm. I think that's a good thing, obviously. Right. I, I agree with that. I think from day one, setting that culture is very important, right? It's, it's almost like the five second rule. You know, what you do in the first five seconds of someone seeing you, meeting you, that kind of determines to some extent, you know, like, hey, what's their first impression? Um, yeah. Where do you see this going next? Where do you see this going in the future? So, it, you know how you've got safety SOPs or safety um, talks or toolbox talks and things like that. Like that was yeah. a long time ago. That was about the only safety training we got. Um, you got okay. showed how to use fall wow. protection and you were just expected to use it. Um, you know, again, this was 20 odd years ago, but long time ago. you know, <laughs> so now, now um, it's a lot different. I mean, we have computerized systems. We have LMS, we have our learning management systems. We have, uh, digital training we have the ability for vendors to come in and do training and show you how to do some of these things i mean we have a lot more power than than we used to and i think we have a lot more buying power than we used to i think safety departments and training departments have gotten a bigger slice of the budget in the last okay. decade or so and i mm -hmm. think um, that allows us to go into the things like gamification that allow people to participate, especially in this day and age, uh, in a way that's more engaging to the culture. That's a fair point. So it, it's become more convenient and, mm -hmm. and easier to engage a wider audience of people. Instead of having an in-person trainer for every single thing, mm -hmm. some subject matter expert where everything is in their mind, or maybe they have to regurgitate it from a book. Now you have these online platforms with electronic content that you don't need a live person to do an awareness training. And you don't even need a live person to assess that person's comprehension of the training. You could do a quiz online after, you could break it down where they just do a multiple choice and they, they submit the answers and that information is stored electronically, documenting their attendance, documenting their activity, showing the score that they got. You know, did they pass, did they fail? Do we need to do it again? Do they truly understand it? We've documented their comprehension. And I think that is pretty good because now you can quantify training compliance, right? You can see how well trained your people mm -hmm. are literally um, in the metrics. Mm -hmm. Is that fair to say? Yeah, you're absolutely right. And you know that it used to be, here's the toolbox talk sign here, you know, and mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm not paying attention. I'm, I'm drinking my coffee. I'm thinking about what I'm going to do that day, text, whatever the case may be. And mm -hmm. then, oh, I'm done. Okay. I'll sign here. Right. That's not, that's not training. You know, it's, it's compliance, but it's not training. And I think that's kind of the difference, right? I get that signature and I move on versus I get my signature. I validate using 
objective metrics. Um, I test mm -hmm. and then I have some type of a physical thing that I have to pass from an observation from a subject matter expert. You know, we, we've gotten away from that only compliance to now we're actually tracking how well people are complying. And that's that's the difference. Hmm. And that sounds pretty handy, too, from a legal standpoint. I would have probably say it's probably easier to hold people accountable. But that brings me to my next question, though. You know, with all these online trainings and lack of, in some instances, that personal touch of having someone interact with you, especially for adult learners, you know, they, they need that, right? Um, how do you make EHS training engaging and memorable, especially for complex or technical topics like lockout, tagout, confined space, mm -hmm. NFPA 70E? How do we make that stuff truly engaging? That's a great question. Um, one of the things that, so we go, you know, we have, we have the lockout tag out training where we can, we can watch a video, which is, you know, most people's first go-to, right? Is I'm just going to throw a video on the screen, have them sign after. So what we can mm -hmm. do is we've taken it, we've got a video, it, you know, and that's still a good way to do things. You know, running a video is still a good way to get information in a way that's visually engaging and then you stop and then you have a conversation, right? So you've got some buy-in mm -hmm. from the audience and then you right. kind of keep playing it and that takes 20 to 30 minutes, right? Then you do a test and then you talk about it, but then you have to do something physical because that's how I learn. So if I talk about lockout, right. tag out and potential hazards and you know what's the difference between stored energy, you know, all that stuff. And then I go down to the floor and I've got a machine that has both electrical and pneumatic or electrically and pneumatically powered. Now I, I can see what we were just talking about. I can go down there, I can shut it off. And then if I try to mm -hmm. start it again, the pneumatic pressure is still in there. I, I have to bleed that as well. So like it gives right. somebody tactile response and I can say, oh no. So what we're doing is um, for us anyway, uh, we're, building, we're building a lockout tagout trainer uh, in cahoots with our maintenance department that will have both uh, electrical and pneumatic and we'll have a light bulb so you get that immediate response and then we'll have something else uh, this is up to maintenance to to find but we'll have okay. it in a classroom you plug it in and it's going to have air and then if i turn the light off you know it's going to have some some type of thing where i have to shut the light off but then if i don't uh, bleed the energy, the light will come back on and I fail. And that's to simulate that I just got hurt or something like that. So um, it's a kind of like a three-dimensional way to get people to interact with a piece of equipment without one, them having the possibility of getting hurt and two, having to be in a noisy uh, environment. So it's a little more sterile. Um, and I find mm -hmm. that anytime we've done this in the past, it's worked out very well for our trainers mm -hmm. um, and our trainees. So we're in cahoots to build some type of a physical trainer that removes us from the production floor, but still allows mm -hmm. us that tactile response to make sure that I understand I have to bleed multiple sources of energy. So lockout tagouts obviously extremely important in manufacturing. I can think of a couple others too, right? I think um, forklift training, uh, fire extinguisher yep. training, um, crane training, you know, there's, there's a whole bunch of trainings that yep. involve the use of equipment actively that if you aren't fully competent, I don't think just watching a video would be enough, right? And that's why you need to have a practical component, right? And even then, I'm not saying that the the video or the PowerPoints you might use is not important, of course. It's very important, right? Especially if you have a lot of people to train in a short period of time. Um, but I do think that incorporating, you're right, a, a practical activity um, probably does 
make it more engaging. And we're not even going to start talking about learning styles, right? Some people are very visual. Some people are very auditory. Some people, you know, they need to use their hands, right? It, and some people just like reading a book. They can read a book and, and know how to do something. So everyone has that individual uh, learning style and how they encode information. So I think you're, you, you have a good point. Having a, a mix, being diverse, it's probably the best route to take, best of both worlds. Um, what's your opinion on emerging trends like virtual reality and gamification in EHS training? Are these just buzzwords? Like, can you really enhance training with these types of types of techniques? I think you can. So this actually plays into the last thing we were just talking about. So it's a good segue. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I have that lockout not lockout tagout trainer that you know I'm, I'm, we're building with maintenance. Let's say that was VR or AR. Mm -hmm or something Ooh. so i just put on a set of goggles instead and i'm still getting the same thing so to go back it's the videos are information right but the practical application is understanding so i have the information but i don't understand now i understand you know and a lot of people um, especially in my experience myself included are very tactile learners so you can give me something conceptually through a video we can talk about it but until i apply it it's still just information and I, I have information, but I don't fully understand and I need to touch it to understand. So right. um, virtual or augmented reality, either one, I prefer augmented for things like this, um, but it allows us to do this in a very safe and sterile environment, but I can still fully understand what I'm interacting with and get okay. that, uh, the understanding versus the knowledge. So if I have an AR Wait, environment on, and I've got on. a machine, what's up? Sorry to, sorry to interrupt you real quick, but some people mm -hmm. probably don't even know what the difference is between AR and VR. Can you give a high level, teach me like I'm five, what is the difference between AR and VR? So in, in my experience, and I've we've gone, we've sat through quite a few demonstrations of this with multiple <laughs> companies who are all bidding, because it's an emerging trend and it's, it's right. emerging hard. Yeah. Um, so we've sat through a few of these conversations, but as far as the learner is, is, is concerned, the difference between virtual reality and augmented reality is augmented reality is where I am in this room. So I, I'm actually physically in this room and I can see this room, but the mm -hmm. room is augmented virtually in the sense that there is, some, there is something sitting on the table that actually isn't sitting on the table. Virtual reality is completely virtual in the sense that I am, everything I see is in these goggles. So it's not, mm. it's not, um, I'm not in reality, but the reality is slightly augmented to include a piece of equipment. But virtual reality, I'm in a completely different space and it's all captured through the goggles or whatever the case may be. So augmented yeah. reality for me allows my learner to be in a room that they recognize mm. and can see with a mm. piece of equipment that doesn't actually exist in there, but that I can take apart. Okay. Okay. That sounds pretty cool. And you think yeah, this that, is going to be more, more adopted for training, especially safety training, like forklift, crane, that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah they, I mean, we, we partner with a technical college nearby and, mm -hmm. um, they do a phenomenal job. Uh, now they do virtual reality training, like, like forklift simulators and things like that. So they'll go through a whole round, uh, forklift simulation before they ever let anybody on the forklift. Um, and that's to, 
I think that's got a ton of benefit. They also use it for their EMS drivers so that they can drive an ambulance virtually for hours and hours before they ever set foot <laughs> in one. Uh, okay. And so I think it's a, it's a great segue between knowledge and understanding. So uh, there's no harm in me crashing an ambulance in 3D, right? But okay. if I get out on the road, I could hurt somebody. So it's, it's that good segue between what, I'm, what I know and what I can do. That is that's smart as hell. Yeah, I hope I see more of that in the future. So my my next question here is, yeah. in what way does EHS training contribute, not just to safety, but also to the overall productivity and company performance? Hmm. What are Good the question. the direct and indirect benefits of safety training? How does it affect quality? How does it affect productivity? getting things out the door. I'm not just talking about manufacturing. This could be construction, this could be food, this could be chemicals. Yeah, well, in a very real sense, you know, if you're all healthy and you're all there, you're all working and you're positively yeah. impacting the bottom line. If one of you gets hurt, you're off the line. Um, so now we're we're struggling um, because we're a person down. So, I mean, there's the obvious, you know, the obvious production uh, benefit to having 100% of the people on the line. Um, but I think a, a safety culture, God, because I'm not buzzword, safety culture. Okay. Keep going, keep going. I, I, I do not like that word. <laughs> Where we'll talk about the culture <laughs> dilemma later. Um, because it's a there's a, a culture of learning that I've been fighting those buzzwords. Um, mm. since I took this position and it's something that we'll have to touch back on that in a minute. Cause I think it's very important. Um, mm -hmm. but for, for me, safety, safety compliance and safety training are two very different things. Um, okay. and here's, here's one, one example for, I think new hires, I think is important. If I'm a new hire and I haven't gone through a robust training program, right? When mm -hmm. I go out to the floor, I might be hesitant. I might be a little hesitant to stick my hand in that near that machine and, and do what I need. Hesitation is caused by fear, right? But hesitation causes um, things to go wrong when you don't want them to. I mean, think about driving a car. If you hesitate, you could get into an accident far more than if you were in control. So right. if we can condition people to the machines, because manufacturing environments, no matter what they are, construction environments, food manufacturing, um, you could be in a steel plant, like all of those can be intimidating first time. Mm -hmm. So if I don't have some type of um, initiation or, or some process in which people are um, shown their tools before they're expected to use them, then I right. think we run the, a very high risk of one, them getting hurt and two, them not producing at a level that they should be producing. So there has um, to be a ramp up period where they are allowed to be mm -hmm. exposed to the tools, get familiar, but not necessarily mm -hmm. risk negatively impacting the production line as a as a exchange of that. Is that right. what I'm understanding? Okay. Yeah, I I think that's that's really important. Cause I've I've been in a new, you know, I've been a temp before. And when I'm a temp mm -hmm. and we do a lot of hiring through temps all day, every day in so many environments. And we expect them, all right, you're a temp. What's your name? All right that's what you're doing. Go talk to that person and stick your hands in there. Oh, and boy. if I'm a temp, especially a lot of, uh, a lot of the temps in this area specifically uh, may not, mm -hmm. may be monolingual and not English. 
Um, so if I have an English speaking trainer and, and I'm a little hesitant, if I don't take the time to teach them the tools of the trade, what basic expectations are for safety and production, I'm letting that person down because now they're going to be hesitant. Now they're going to be scared. They're going to be confused. You know, I'm, I'm not helping my person. And then I've got a non-cohesive unit on the production floor. So, you know, there's a gamut of issues that come from not training a person properly before putting them out on the floor. And I think new hires probably the best place where you can see that. And second, your old heads, the folks that have been mm. there for 30 years. Okay. Okay. So on one hand, you have the newbies, most of their mm -hmm. mistakes and potential, I guess, injuries come from lack of experience. I'm not sure what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. I make a judgment call that probably isn't the best one because mm -hmm. I lack experience, right? But on, on the other right. hand, I, I also see where someone might be super experienced and that gives them a whole sense of security because now they become complacent, right? Bingo. Think, oh, I've been doing mm -hmm. it for 20 years. I, I've, I've only looked left while crossing the street for 20 years. I've never been hit by a car. But that doesn't mean that that one time when you should have been mm -hmm. looking right, you're not about to get smashed and end up in the hospital, right? Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Mm, okay. Yeah. So that makes sense. Well, back to the emerging trends, that's kind of where some of this can come into play. Because if I've been here for 20 years and I've heard you, the safety guy, give me this same damn speech. Same over and over again and i don't mix it up mm -hmm. i'm not listening i'll tell you right now as a 20-year veteran I'm not out, right yeah just I'm, gonna, I'm texting i'm playing candy crush in a monthly operations review right i don't want to <laughs> hear this so what i can do though is i can change it up i can add gamification i can add ar or vr whatever works for your industry you know i can mm -hmm. i can make it interesting so the person's like hey oh i've never done that before i can i try that okay yeah. And then you can kind of get them to do something they're not used to. And then maybe just maybe something will stick. So, you know, it helps for the new hires, but it also helps for the people who maybe have heard the same thing for 20 years, but need to hear it or see it in a different way. So I think it's extremely important on both sides of that spectrum. That's fair. And before I ask you my last question, do you want to go back to the safety culture thing? It sounded like you had a couple... Oh reservations about the term why is that i'm just curious here so safety culture is how do i put this safety culture is a result it's not an action plan it's like hope it's not a course of action oh we need to build a, a culture of safety get that out of here man because that's not an action item like i i need <laughs> i need action items i need things that i can do i need things that have direct impact but me saying safety culture or culture of learning does mm -hmm. not impact anyone at all it just makes me sound like i have a desired goal or end state i i don't like that um i like things that i can go touch and go do that i know <laughs> will build a culture of learning but gamification adding ar bringing people in to try something new for the first time gamifying in the moment so having a game that allows me to learn a particular skill instead of just hearing it um, at me that is a culture of learning but you don't do it by just saying those words and i think a lot of people just say those things um, with okay. no intent behind it so it, it almost sounds like you're saying safety culture and a culture of learning are they're driven by action they're driven by mm -hmm. a good plan of action and strategy not mm -hmm. just lip service so exactly. it doesn't sound like you necessarily 
don't like safety culture or you don't think you don't you don't think it, you think it doesn't work it sounds more so like you're saying when people use that just as lip service like yeah mm -hmm. we put on a good show but there's no mm -hmm. action real effective action or consideration behind it 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 comes mm -hmm. across like you know it's just fake is that is that fair to say a hundred percent fair yes and you know to bring it back to the very first thing that I said, and that was um, when I have a new guy come in and he tries something unsafe and the whole team says, whoa, 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 we don't, we don't do that here. Right. Time out. That is the culture of safety that you need, but you don't get that by accident. You don't get that without having a plan in place, without having somebody like you who's driving this on a daily basis. You don't have that unless you have buy-in or you have, and something we talked about earlier offline was, you know, have metrics that like legitimate metrics that can impact your bonus positively, mm -hmm. like make people involved in their own safety in a it way that is genuine. They need some skin in the game. Exactly. Quite literally. Like, like, let me put your name down on the, on the lease for the apartment. Yeah, exact ownership. <laughs> ownership is huge. Yeah, keep it clean. <laughs> But that's another one of those bud words is ownership. Um, but you know, when, when practiced properly, I think ownership is, is huge and you have to bring ownership down to a, to a narrow enough window where the person can actually, you know, have an impact on it. Like if I need you to have safety ownership. Well, that's very vague. Like I need you to have ownership of that machine. Right. You make sure you and nobody else gets hurt on that machine. Well, that's something I can do. I can yeah. do that. It's a small yeah. enough piece of the pie that I can manage it myself. I don't feel overwhelmed. And that's probably part of setting people up for success, right? Yeah. Part of training is setting the expectations, making sure they understand, making sure they're engaged. It shouldn't just be something that people think they're just doing just because. It should be that there's a certain level of buy-in, there's a certain personal touch, um, there's a certain um, interest because they see why it matters. I used to call this WIFM, what's in it for me? And that's not always just you know money. Sometimes it's value, and there's a difference between money and value. And I think when you focus on giving people value, and that could be something as simple as teaching them something or making them aware of, of a hazard that they never really considered before. And they're like, yeah, I never thought about it that way. I just gave him the value of a new perception. But that leads me back to about my final question here, right before we wrap yeah. up. Are there any hard truths about EHS training that are often overlooked or neglected? First truths about EHS training. Mm -hmm. That we tend to miss. Uh, you know, what's the reality here? What are the hard, the hard truths that people probably don't realize are necessary for effective EHS training? Mm. And you have the best of both worlds. You've been a safety manager, right? You've yeah. been a safety manager where you've had to do safety training. And now you're doing training where safety is a priority, right? Because safety, quality, productivity, all those things mm. are, are combined all of those things require good training systems right so what are the hard truths about safety training so Ooh. on two sides of it so yeah it's good mm -hmm. um there are two sides of it and i think it's a little bit of ownership on both sides i come back to to accountability and ownership a lot um because i, I believe very much in personal accountability um mm -hmm but you are responsible for your own safety. And I know it's, that's said everywhere. It's on the back of every t-shirt, you know, that's, but it's, it's, it's true. And I think it's been sloganized to the point where 
people just overlook it. Um, mm-hmm. And that's not a good thing. But if, if, if I'm a trainer, it is my responsibility to make sure that everybody in the room or whatever understands what I'm saying and what we're doing before they walk out of it. If I, if I'm not doing that, I have failed. I have failed my company. I have failed those people. I have got to take that seriously. I cannot just go through the motions. I sat through a training the other day with a, mm-hmm. we'll call it chemical training. It doesn't matter who it was with. And this guy's been doing it for 28 years. Guess how little he cares after 28 years, right? That's not a lot. Very little. He's here to collect his paycheck. He's as close to retirement. He wants to get out the door. And I hate to be, that's a hard truth. You have got to care about the message you're delivering. If you don't, you're in the wrong job. Training matters, right? And you have got to, I'm not going to cuss, but you've got to care about what you're doing. And if you don't, go find something else to do. Okay. So when people, when say if I got, if I got 10 people in that room, we're training lockout, tagged out. If mm-hmm. I'm just like, all right, sign here. And then we go down to the floor and I'm like, oh yeah, you did that wrong, but whatever, you know, it's lunchtime. You know, I've failed me and I failed that person because they're going to get degloved or something's going to happen. And I, I can't, I can't live with that. Right. So taking on that ownership okay. of everybody that you train, if they get mm-hmm. hurt doing the thing that you trained them not to do, buddy, that's on you. You've got to, you've got to own that. Um, another on the flip side of that, if you're in that class and you didn't pay mm-hmm. attention, the best trainer in the world, even one who really cares, cannot overcome your lackadaisical attitude. Okay. So if you're going to be in that room, you have got to be paying attention. Be paying and attention. the problem is neither of those two things are going to happen with the amount of frequency it takes to keep people safe. So what I'm, hearing, what I'm hearing here is successful training leads to changed behavior. Is that, did I just summarize that pretty well? Yeah, yeah, it did. And that's, as you change your perspective, you will change the way that you interact with the environment around you, the people, the machines, the whatever it is. Mm -hmm. If you change your perspective and you understand and respect the piece of equipment that can very easily hurt you, um, a lot of that is gained through training. It's not automatic. So that's a good point. Yeah. Okay, Greg, I really appreciate you coming on and, and talking to us. You know, it yeah, sounds like we get a, a pretty good discussion and understanding of the relationship between safety management, safety training, and training techniques in general. You know, so I really appreciate you taking the time to come on today. Um, it's Father's Day weekend, right? Mm. I hope a lot of people yeah. have uh, some good stuff planned. You know, and this is part of why we work safe, right? So people can go home to their families, go home to their mm-hmm. kids for, you know, holidays like this. I already got my mug, you know. Did you? Me a, a cute little mug here. It's got a, his name. Oh my god! Because it says Dad and AJ, and he's got a little fist, and I've got a, a big fist, and that's you know, adorable. I'm pumping here. Yeah, love it. I'm using it for my, oh my energy. God. Okay, that's so cute. So, thank you, folks, for turning in. We uh, appreciate you guys uh, watching today. We'll have another episode out soon. Uh, stay tuned.